Hello and welcome to the Turned On Podcast. I'm Angelique Nori and my husband David and I have made it our mission to break the darkness by flipping the switch on the four most important areas of your life in health, relationships, business, and in faith. And sometimes the light in the world and in your life can go dim, either from the intrusion of technology or simply because society is so driven by instant gratification. It's our mission to help people see that we're hardwired for connection and that the best things in life come when we turn on the light to see with new eyes the opportunity that exists just a flip away. So if you're ready to stir your spirit, open your eyes, and profit in all areas of your life, then let's get turned on. Here we go. Well, I don't know if you've heard, but there's a lot going around about things like, you know, student debt forgiveness. There's a little bit of talk about inflation. I think we're sending money to other countries by the billions. And it's a lot to unpack. And I'll tell I mean, you there's what, a word recession that we don't yeah, want to talk yeah. about. We don't re- redefine it. Yeah. No, but I met a friend a little while back. We've been, well, what I say a little while back, it's been a couple of years now, but every once in a while we get on the phone and we were on the phone last time, the three of us, and he yeah. was just like dropping bombs. And we're like, this is a podcast because there's so much of <laughs> like this that we need to understand. And there's a different perspective. And I even, uh, when I was writing my book, he, he cued me onto this one word and this one big theme that I was like, wow, uh, as a Christian, I never thought about that, but I'm going to put that stuff in the book too. Mm-hmm. So with, with, with that being said, I'm going to let you introduce it, but guests listening right now, you're in for a good, good podcast episode because we are going yeah, to drop some bombs on you right here that are going to make you think in a different way. So who do we got on the show today? Yeah, Ash? we have a good friend of ours on the show. Um, his name is Kevin Donahue, but you know, we talk about identity and there's so many different things that, that he has done in his life. And I'm just going to touch on a few of them, but you know, before anything, he's an adventurer, a truth seeker. We love those here. A world traveler, a husband, and soon to be dad. We are truth seekers are an endangered species. They Did are, you know they that? Are endangered. Yeah. So and glad we have a. They're truth. also very dangerous. Yeah. We don't like truth seekers, right? Yeah. The people don't like truth seekers these days. Anyway, um, he speaks around the world on technology, cybersecurity, faith, motivation, and entrepreneurship. He's worked. Get this. So he knows what he's talking about, guys. <laughs> Just get this. He's worked with the White House, the National Security Council, Department of Homeland Security, Secret Service, and the CIA. Um, one day, he actually gave it all up, which we've heard this story intimately. It's a really cool story. Uh, to move to Costa Rica, learn learn Spanish, get closer to God, and do mission work. And, of course, surfing, which now he actually is an avid surfer, and he has an organization called Surf and Serve that allows him to combine not surf and, turf, not surf and surf, surf, surf and serve to combine these two passions. But we have some really, really cool stuff that we're going to be talking with Kevin Donahue about today. Kevin, welcome to the Turned On Podcast. Hey, thank you. Thank you. Great to see you all. And thank you for the very kind introduction. Well, it's hard to not be kind when you're talking about someone that has is got a colorful life as you yeah. have so it's pretty amazing yeah. well i've always tried to live by the theme life's a movie write your own script mm-hmm. you know and uh you know in order for to see miracles you got to take great risks so that's part of who i am as a human being and you know trying to transform myself and others and the world and uh you know live by faith so 
Well, speaking okay. of speaking of the world, let's get into geography geography first. You've lived in two very interesting places. Mm-hmm. One, which we just mentioned, Costa Rica. Mm-hmm. But the other one, you had a little address there, really in a, a place called Washington, D.C. Yeah. So tell us about those the, the big difference between those two places. Yeah, well, I grew up there in uh, Northern Virginia area in the suburbs and chose a career. In fact, I thought I was going to work with the FBI or the Secret Service, the U.S. Marshals. In fact, I applied for some of those folks, took the polygraph examinations, but then I got into business and selling and ended up in technology and working with those folks. So in D.C., I sold a forensic investigative search engine, uh, worked on some of the biggest cases, uh, you know, knew the headlines before the headlines would hit back in the 2000s, sold the White House their email archiving system to Bush, Obama, Trump and Biden re-upped on it. So every email that goes into the National Security Council to this day is put on a system that archives these emails, both for historical archiving purposes, but also for FOIA, Freedom of Information Act requests, and subpoena purposes as well. So uh, so yeah, so you know, I've been behind the scenes. I've been at Langley, uh, which is CIA headquarters. Uh, you know, really the only intel agency I didn't work with was NSA. Uh, but I worked with a lot of those folks. So I really have an intimate knowledge of how the government works. My father was a federal employee for 38 years. I have a lot of friends that are still working with these different agencies. So yeah, and you know, I did get a little uh, fed up with it all and decided to leave it all behind and go to Costa Rica to pursue other things. You know, I was living in my penthouse condominium, successful, mm. in debt, right? <laughs> to, <laughs> Talk about that. $2 million. Yeah. And uh you know, I had a business, uh, you know, a retail business that I opened. Uh, I had a online business and I was selling this technology to the White House and my penthouse condominium overlooking Washington, D.C. from Arlington, Virginia. And I was uh, bored, lonely and depressed. Like I was from there, but I just wasn't finding satisfaction. I wasn't fighting the woman of my dreams. I wasn't uh, living a life. I, you know, in fact, behind me is my grandfather's uniform from World War II. Mm-hmm. He uh, landed on the beaches of Normandy, D-Day plus eight. He was in the 463rd Anti-Aircraft Artillery Battalion attached to the 79th Infantry Division, Patton's Third Army. He shot down Nazi Luftwaffe planes. He didn't tell any of the stories until the early 2000s. I really got interested and started asking him, and he started to share. And one of the thoughts that was going through my head, it was like, what the hell am I going to tell my grandkids? Mm-hmm. You know, that I sat there, put myself in a ton of debt and uh, followed the rules, you know, like I just mm-hmm. saw like this adventurous man, this courageous man who built every home he ever lived in. Uh, and I was like, wow, what stories am I going to tell my kids? So I went on a mission mm-hmm. to kind of get rid of everything I own and, and transform my life. And, you know, I had a goal of a number of things and Ended up being in Costa Rica. So I spent a couple of years down there. Cool. Ended up back in the Phoenix area where I met you all originally. Yeah. And uh, here we are today. Yeah, you know what? I mean, it's it's a colorful life and I love the experience. And there's, there's a word you said twice and that's where we're going to start with in this interview because I was writing my book, The Pursuit, and I was writing a chapter called The Love of Money, for the love of money. And uh, right around that time, we were having a conversation and, you know, Kevin and I will get together and we'll talk about politics and what's going on. And uh, it was it was about that time that word debt came up again, national debt, uh, where we were spending money, student debt forgiveness. And he's like, well, have you ever are you familiar with the term usury? And I was like, 
Usury. Hmm. It's an interesting word, right? When you say it. Yeah. Very. It's interesting. And I said, well, I think I may have heard of it, but to tell you the truth, no. And then this entire conversation unfolded. Let me just tell you, well, Kevin, it, it is, I'm going to let you say it, but there's no mincing of words when we talk about this. You said, go to the Bible and look it up. So why don't you give us your idea of what usury means and how it pertains to what's going on in our world today? Yeah, well, I think there's two ways to look at it. And I think this is very important when you look at anything in our lives. There's uh, micro and there's macro. You know, there's my life as an individual in the world and how I choose to live my life. Then there's macro, which is what are the consequences of all of us living in a certain way? Mm. You know, uh, when I got out of college, you know, here's what you did. You got yourself into debt. You know, if it, thankfully, I w didn't have any student debt when I got out of school, but a lot of people, they put themselves in debt in school uh, and then they get out and they get a car loan to put themselves in further debt. Then they uh, either buy a house or rent an apartment and then they put themselves in debt for the furniture and the clothing. Then they have credit cards and suddenly you find yourself uh, in debt slavery, quite frankly. You know, and I just sort of observing, you know, how I felt and I started observing friends and colleagues. I'm like, my gosh, these people were living in $750,000 houses that they didn't buy. The bank bought it, right? <laughs> or they bought it with the assistance of the bank. And they were commuting to jobs they didn't like. And they were, uh, you know, I said, man, and you know, 45 minutes each way, not living these extraordinary lives. Uh, and to jobs that, you know, would hopefully help them pay down some of that mortgage over 30 years. And I said, man, this is kind of like slavery, you know, and I saw people kind of, you know, living okay lives. Um, but I was like, man, and this is where Costa Rica came in the picture is I would visit Costa Rica and other countries down there. And I was like, man, these people are so happy and they live in these little tiny homes. What's the difference? And the difference that I saw was these people don't have debt. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. And so. You know, the whole idea of usury, it's one of these silent secret sins, right? And when you hear about the word sin, you're like, what the hell does that mean? You know, it's really a sin as a framework for us to be able to either do things or not do certain things that could either grow our lives, bless our lives, or destroy our lives, yeah. right? It's, it's not like, you know, adultery isn't uh, a sin because it's, you know, it's a sin because it can destroy your life and not just your life, but the lives of those around you. Same mm -hmm. thing with murder, same thing with, uh, you know, stealing, same thing with lying, because it's not just the sin of the actual doing of the thing. It's the, our conscience, right? Yeah. Every time we tell a lie, something in our mind, heart or soul or spirit, however you want to look at it, tells us something. Well, this signal started going off for me around this whole entire world of debt. You know, I mentioned my grandfather a little bit ago. He never was in debt. He built every house he ever lived in. My other grandfather wasn't in debt either. He rented, right? They didn't have the infrastructure back in the 1920s, 30s, 40s, and 50s to put themselves in mounds of debt like we do today. And you didn't do it. It was not something you did. You didn't go into debt and with tons of interest. In fact, my grandfather built homes and then would sell them uh, and he would finance them. So he would just charge someone, okay, you just pay me 200 bucks a month until you paid me 2000 and the house is yours. No interest, right? right so right. I guess the first thing that's important to understand is what is usury? And usury is interest on loans. That's all it is. And some people have redefined it as like 
exorbitant interest, you know, over 20% or over a certain percentage. And it's not true. The historical view of lending and usury is in any interest on debt. Hmm. And like, and, and why is it a sin? Well, it's a sin because you're making money on money. So mm -hmm. if I loan you money and I charge you interest, you have to pay me back that money plus, you know, let's say 20%. Let's say I loan you 100 bucks, you owe me 120. Well, what did I do to earn that money? What labor did I put into it? And the answer right. is no. Mm -hmm. Right. And I know we were talking the other day, uh, David, it was about, you're like, wow, I, I bought this house and I'm going to pay double or even more, two and a half times for this house over this 30-year loan, right? And that's just the way it works. It, it's compounding interest, yeah. and it's detrimental to to a society major. I mean, you know you know who does it, uh, and they're pretty famous for it. Can you, who, who does this and is famous for it, but is always considered a bad guy? Think about it. Who does you, who, whose business is usury, and they've written movies. There's tons of movies about it. Think. I'm gonna make them an offer where they can't refuse, right? The mafia. The mafia has right. has made a whole living off interest. If we go back and we give them the one of the original things, Kevin, and you can expound on this, but if we go back to the Bible when Kevin said, "Hey, look it up," and of course me, I'm like, "Okay, let's look it up." It's in Ezekiel 18:13, and it literally says, "He who lends at an interest and takes profit, will such a man live?" Question mark. <laughs> will such a man live? He will not. Because he has done all these, the word here is detestable things. Yeah, He is to be put to death. His <laughs> blood will be on his own head. Detestable, put to death. It only says that about a few things in mm. the Bible, mm -hmm. right? And if you would ask pretty much any person who considered themselves a student of Christianity or a Christian themselves, if you can say, hey, what's usury? I would... I would beg to beg to guess that most of them don't know. And if I would say, well, is it bad or is it, how does, how does it viewed? Most of them would say, I don't know. Well, you think you should be put to death? Most of them would say, of course not. I'm, I, I lend, I am a lender or I do this. And it really forces you to think about it. Yeah. You know, it forces you to think about it. And Kevin, you've had so much experience in other countries and there's other cultures who, who still think it's detestable. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Like, in fact, how I how did I discover this? You know, the discovery phase of this whole thing is I was uh, living in Scottsdale, Arizona, and uh, in a really nice condominium in Old Town Scottsdale. And my neighbor uh, was a guy from Syria, and he had a, a Ferrari, and he had a G wagon, and he was out there, uh, you know, waxing his Ferrari one day. He's like, Kevin. He goes, when I first come to this country, uh, he was from Syria, by the way. When I first come to this country from Syria in 1996, I went, to, he's a computer programmer. He goes, I went to work for LendingTree and I was doing computer programming. I could not believe that people buy a house for $250,000 and they have to pay $500,000 for this house. He goes, mm -hmm. in my country, you go to jail for that. It's mm -hmm. extortion, right? And wow. you know, to go back to what you were saying about the mafia, it's Shylocking is what they call it. They have a term for it. And that term is famous from uh, The Merchant of Venice, which is a play that uh, Shakespeare wrote. And Shylock wanted a pound of flesh, right? Like it's exorbitant. Like these people, like you, you are not to be charged interest or you're not to charge interest, but it's become normalized in our culture. But there are cultures out there. Islamic law detests it. Detests this. Uh, in in Islam, it's called riba or riba, and uh, they say it's 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 war against Allah, 
It's as bad as committing adultery 36 times. Wow. Right? They take a stand for it. It's in the Islamic dogma. It's been in Catholic dogma since the very beginning. Now, that being said, sin always seems to infiltrate, right? It's kind of like termites and eats yeah. away the soul. Yeah. And there's been times where the Catholic church was actually using usury, as well as the Protestant church as well. And it's one of the things that Martin Luther objected to. There you yeah. go. What, did, what are you guys doing, the priesthood and the and the popes uh, charging usury on money? And this is one of his grievances. And, uh, you know, St. Jerome said, was quoted as saying, uh, you know, what do you feel, how do you feel about usury? And he asked the question, how do you feel about murder? Wow. Mm. Right? That's the seriousness of this. And you wow. mentioned uh, Ezekiel, I have that written here, but also Deuteronomy 23, 19, do not charge your brother interest, whether on money or food or anything else, what may uh, earn interest. Psalm 15, 5, who dwells in my tabernacle? He who lends without interest on a loan. Wow. Right? Did you know this, Ange? I mean, when we talk about this. Not to this extent, no. So how do you feel about it? I'll get you into the conversation here. Well, I, I mean, it's eye-opening because I think it's it's almost like, why don't we know? And the reason why is because if, we, if, if we're not being shepherded through the word in, in this regard, we easily fall into the matrix that we live in in the real world. And that we're, in the world that we live in teaches us that this is normal. Right. And we're, we kind of blindly trust these systems um, that then put us in, in an entrapment or a slavery, essentially, of this debt. And you're thinking to yourself, like, like as you talk about this and, and you've dialogued with David, and I'm like, gosh, yes, like it's total entrapment in, into a system that it, it's so hard to get out of. But the question then is, like, OK, so we have blindly trusted this system we ourselves you know have a home and i'm thinking well crap like well but we I've, have friends who are I've, mortgage let's right. say we have a friend who's a mortgage broker or you know like i mean they're so, not bad people no, and i certainly they don't, don't want to listen to this going hey i'm gonna be you know i'm gonna be excluded from the kingdom because of a mortgage broker yes, we gotta we do? need some clarification on this Kevin. yeah that's what well, i'm thinking the you're just blindly yeah, and the Catholic Church would not give you a Christian burial. Like that, that's how gr grievous they thought this was because it destroys <laughs> culture, it destroys human beings, it destroys family. Let me write, read you a quote from Andrew Jackson because this isn't just about faith or religion, this is about history. And you know, David, you mentioned earlier we talk about politics, and I, I would say, well, we don't talk about politics, we talk about history, theology, and philosophy outside of the world of politics right so we yeah. take a different view yeah. Uh, yeah it just so happens to kind of destroy the political conversation because yep. the political conversation is what tries to lead us into this trap yep it's why we have to take a step back and figure out what's true but here's the other point before i read this andrew jackson quote not just that the bible condemns it right because it certainly does over a hundred times the quran condemns it but you tell me where in your Christian Bible it says, thou shalt put yourself in debt to strangers. <laughs> tell me where it says, hey, go buy yourself a house more than you can afford and put yourself in debt to people who aren't Christian or maybe are Christian, but people put yourself in debt to these people. It's just not there. So right? what do you do? So you know what? You're going to, you, you, I'm going to just read something from the book before you read that other quote. Um, 
Peter Grandich, who's the author of Confessions of a Wall Street Whiz Kids, he says, the writers of the Bible anticipated the problems we would have with money and possessions. That's why I get my financial guidance from the Bible. Money and possessions are the second most referenced topic, seven, yeah. second most referenced topic in the Bible. And the message is clear. Yes. The message is clear. Nowhere in scripture is debt viewed in a positive way. That's correct. That's so good. And you know, in Jesus and Matthew, uh, he says, you make your phylacteries wide and your tassels long in Matthew 23, and you put yourself in places for everyone to see you, right? Like, what are they doing? He's saying you're a poser. Yeah. Like mm -hmm. you, 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 uh, you look straight on the outside, <laughs> but on the inside, you're full of everything unclean, dead men's bones. He uses this vivid, uh, this vivid yeah. kind of language, right? Well, what are people doing when they're living in their $750,000 homes or their $1.5 million homes and they're mortgaged to the neck, right? They're 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 acting like they have what they don't have. It, I tell people all the time, uh, a young man told me the day, he's like, oh, I just bought a house. I'm like, let me ask you a question. Did you buy the house or did the bank buy your house? Mm. Oh, the bank bought your house. Cool. I say, because don't pay, don't pay your rent next month. Guess who's coming for their house? Right. Yeah. yeah. And then you have to have PMI insurance and all this different insurance. Why? Title insurance. Well, because it's not your house. If it was a simple transaction where you paid, you know, to, you paid cash, came with a suitcase of cash yeah. for $250,000. Here's the deed. It's done. But there's all these other insurances in place and costs in place. You end up paying three, four times for that house that you think you own. Right. And that makes it also immoral. Where else do you pay two times, three times, four times for the same thing? Yeah. Right. It causes a, a lot of problems. But here's the other the, the quote from Andrew Jackson to the bankers, because he was very anti-central bank. This is this goes back to the macro, right? There's the micro, like how am I going to conduct my life outside of the sin of usury? Yeah. Then there's like, how do we conduct our nation outside of the sin of usury? Right. Because and I'm guessing I, this is not what, what this quote is probably not going to be on the $20 bill. Right. I'm guessing. <laughs> exactly. Right. 100%. <laughs> well, and, you know, I could even pose an argument that the reason the founding fathers started a revolution was because of usury. They did not want to pay King George's interest to yep. the bankers. Right. They were sick yeah. of it. They're like, why are we paying your interest? Um, so Andrew Jackson's quote says this. You tell me that if I take the deposits from the bank, in a knowledge charter, I shall ruin 10,000 families. That may be true, gentlemen, but that is your sin. Should I let you go on, you will ruin 50,000 families, and that would be my sin. You are a den of vipers and thieves. Using Jesus's language, you do. Right. Yeah, he did. It. I was going to say, that's that's a direct quote from, from uh, Jesus's mouth. That's it. And that's the problem uh, that vipers. the central bank. Right. Wow. Because and we still have a central bank to this day when people say, you know, you mentioned earlier, David, that we're sending money to uh, to Ukraine or wherever we're sending it. Right. Seven trillion on this vaccine, you know, 10 billion to this war, whatever it may be. The government doesn't have that money. They yeah. have to take a loan from the central bank and then we have to pay interest on that loan. So, for example, since about 1950, uh, Americans have paid about $12 trillion in interest. And what do you get for interest? Nothing. 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 It's Nothing. just money that is siphoned away to the bankers. We're making other people rich. 
The other problem is this. When you live in an economy, uh, you know, we call our economy capitalism, but a, a capitalistic uh, economy based on usury will always lead to communism, mm. uh, then tyranny and despotism. It, yeah. it leads to that because <laughs> it starts to siphon away all the wealth. And here's what begins to focus on the economy. Pull into any city. What are the buildings? They're mostly banks, insurance companies, and oh, hospitals. Yeah. That's where all the money is. That's right. What happens Think about who advertises money... most on TV? If you watch, if you turn on any channel right now, you'd see three. You see three insurance commercials and a couple of bank commercials, right? Yeah. Get and your pharma. credit score up. And then pharma. ask yourself this: pharmaceutical and pharmaceutical. <laughs> and, and then ask yourself this: What's why? Why is it? Well, we could say the American public. We're not. No one's educated on this. It's like they put. You know, they put earphones on our on it's our ears and a big fat popsicle in our mouth to, to satisfy us yeah. they say don't worry about that because if you walked up to somebody in the street and you go hey i mean here's the thing we see the interviews all the time where they walk up to young people in the street and they ask some basic questions like name a president and they're lost right but imagine if you walked up to the educated class and and people who were not in college but educated people who consider themselves on the up and up and they said what's the fed and what does the Fed do? And <laughs> and is the is the Fed part of of a government agency? What do you think they would say, Kevin? The average person. Yeah, they would. Yeah, they would say it's part of the federal government. They just don't know. It's a central private bank that charges us interest. You know, it's uh, and, and it's just the way the economy works. So listen, there's a game being played here. Romans twelve two says, "Be no longer conformed to the patterns of this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind." and renew your mind in the word of God, right? So this is one of the things that we have to do. We have to take an inventory of our lives. And it's like, what is in my blind spot right now? And I would say usury, debt, interest, reba, whatever you want to call it, that is clearly in most people's blind spot. If you went up to those same educated people, David, you'd say, what is usury? They're like, I don't know. Or right. I don't know, exorbitant interest, right? Like, and you just see, there's another interesting uh, documentary called The Century of the Self, and it's about Edward Bernays. And Edward Bernays is the godfather of propaganda. He wrote I the thought book. he was the guy that invented the sauce that I put on steaks, no? Right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Edward Bernays wrote the book <laughs> oh called Propaganda, God. you know? And uh, here's what the, the documentary, it's a BBC documentary. It says, before 1900, America was a uh, needs-based economy. People essentially bought what they needed. After Edward Bernays got a hold of the, the, the propaganda on the US, it became a consumer-based economy. Mm. So a car went from a utility that you would drive somewhere, get you point A to point B, to a sex symbol, right? Or to yeah. uh, whatever it may be, right? So it became a consumer society. I also noticed this. You know, I have a lot of friends who have storage units, you know, down at the U-Haul storage or U-Store. Mm. They've got air-conditioned units for the stuff they don't use. That's we, also speaking of one we have right, we have one right they rent apartments for their stuff that they don't use this isn't something you see in central america or south america or other countries like they're like are you crazy you're running an apartment for the stuff that you have too much of yeah wow that's crazy right so we we live in this consumerist culture and another piece like when you fly on an airplane what do you always get pitched miles yeah for what for a credit card yeah yeah why 
Good, great question. <laughs> well, you're 17 so or 18 and, and you got no credit. You got no credit line and, and you're in college and you're getting all these things saying, hey, here's a credit card. Here's a credit card. I mean, you know, there's a stat that says um, from the Center for Responsible Lending that 91% of all payday loans are made by repeat borrowers. So yes. what they're starting to do is they they hook you in. Remember, Angelique, we talk about a hook, right? Yep. They hook you in when you're young. It's money for nothing and your chicks for free, right? Yeah. Just like the Dire Straits song. Here's some money for nothing. And you realize it's not money for nothing. You are actually what they call is you're, you're shackled to a car payment. You're handcuffed to a mortgage, right? You're, you're buried under debts. The, the terminology that we use for debt is, is imprisonment and it's death, right? Yeah. And that's, that's not by mistake, Kevin. Yeah, that's exactly right. And if you go on the, if you fly on American Airlines, Delta, Frontier, any one of them, they relentlessly pitch you and they come back with these things. We'll give you 50,000 miles if you sign up for our credit card. Did you know the airlines make more money off of usury than they do off of selling airline tickets? Jeez, that's that's where they make their profit. They won't even they won't even publicize it anymore. But I think American Airlines makes a billion a year on interest for their credit cards. That's why, hey, here, take 50,000 miles. Big deal. Who cares? That's yeah. where they make their money. If you go to Macy's, or I don't even know if Macy's around anymore, you go to any sort of... Uh, you know, Sephora, what do they offer you? Hey, are you going to pay with your Sephora card today? We give you get 10% oh, yeah. off. Like oh, every yeah. everywhere you go, you can't yeah. get, you can't get out of a checkout without putting it on the card. And we've done a pretty good job of that. You know, yeah. I think between, we don't have any cards between your background and my background, you know, there's no college debt. Um, we, we, we do have a car that's financed and we have a house that's financed. So I can't say it's perfect, Yeah, but um, we don't have any credit card debt or whatnot, but it, it's scary because what's happening is like Kevin said, he says, this ends in one place. It, it always ends in one place. And that place was where, Kevin? Tyranny. Tyranny and communism. communism. Because when, when you say, hey, get me out of this, um, we'll take care of you. I'll give up my freedoms if you take care of this debt. Mm -hmm. Or like we said, I'm handcuffed to this. If you owe somebody something, you are a slave. Yeah. You know, when we talk about slavery, it's been around forever, even in, in Egypt in the Middle Ages. And they were slaves and some some slaves that you could buy your way out of slavery. But until you could afford that, guess what? You're a slave. And then by yeah. the time you most of them could buy their way out of slavery, guess what? Well, you're old now. You know, I just saw a thing the other day um, when they finally did the Emancipation Proclamation. There were so many slaves that that was their whole way of life that when the people came and say, hey, they just Lincoln just signed this thing. They were like. Well, what are we going to do now? Like this yeah. is this is the only way we've known, and, yeah. and a lot stayed. And that shows you the mentality. What happens is when people get into a slavery mentality yeah. and conditioning for their life, then they don't know what it's like, and that becomes the fear base out there. Is what goes on. So, Kevin, yeah. like you know, as I sit here and listen to this, and um, and I we've talked about this before offline, but like what for our listeners? Like they're sitting there, and go great. Now what? You know, like what? Yeah. Now what? How do they? What's the plan? Well, you know, because you're to, not living in a shack no. and, and, and you obviously have ambition. And that I think that's how this whole thing started, because yeah. I was talking to Kevin. He's an ambitious guy. Look at all the things he's done. Look mm -hmm. at all the places he's visited. Mm -hmm. So there's a difference between ambition and, and making something and creating either a good or a service and getting returned for it. Well, right. He's, he's creating a, a script out of right. his life. You know, but so right now we're throwing a wrench into what everybody sees is, oh, my gosh, I thought this was the only way of life that I knew. And they got to go about it a different way. Yeah, it's a great question. Here's the other thing, too, is what do we all, you know, 700 is a great credit score, or 800 or 850. I need to get my credit score up. What's that? That's that's that slave mentality. 
Yeah. How much slavery can I put myself in? Oh my gosh, if I get my credit score up to 850, I can get a $5 million loans and be a slave. And listen, there's nothing wrong with lending. There's nothing wrong with borrowing. It's the interest that causes the sin, Yeah. right? This is what's the problem because you're making money out of thin air. So this isn't a Christian thing. It's not a Muslim thing. Every single religion, Buddhism, Judaism, Hinduism, uh, Aristotle, the, you know, the great Greek philosophers were all anti-usury. They all understood the problem with usury, how it destroys a culture. And what typically happens, the cycle is between 70 to 100 years. You know, mm -hmm. every 70 to 100 years, the system collapses. Now, what I would say is the system's been propped up three times in my lifetime. One would be 9-11 where there was trillions of dollars pushed into the economy, borrowed from the central bank to prop up this economy that was probably going to crash. The second time was, uh, you know, 07, 08, whenever the economy crashed and everything was too big to fail. So they pushed in more money into these big banks so they wouldn't fail. And the last one was most recently was this pandemic, right? I mean, mm -hmm. they just pushed in trillions of dollars in out, out of thin air. Where's the money come from? Right. And yeah. all of these have propped up our economy. So what do you do to get yourself out of the matrix? First of all, you realize there's a thing called usury. It is immoral. It is a sin and it will be detrimental to your life. Right. Like the other thing, too, I was I was telling this young man, you know, he said he bought this house for three hundred fifty thousand dollars. I'm like, that's great. I'm like, and you're hoping that two, three years from now, that house will be worth five hundred thousand dollars and you can sell it for a profit. But let me ask you, what did you do? What labor, what idea, what did you do to earn that extra money? And the answer is nothing. I just sat there and I let usury and interest and uh, and uh, inflation increase the price of my house. Well, I did. I put, put nothing into it, but now it's worth $500,000. So we're all caught into this thing we call wealth, but nothing was created. Then I asked him this. I said, what will happen if your house goes the other way? Let's say your house three years from now is worth $150,000. Now you're $200,000 in the hole. Will those nice bankers come to you and say, hey, uh, you know what? We understand. We're going to take the loan down to $150,000. No, you're still on the hook, right? So it's like this big kind of scam going on. So what an individual needs to do is take an inventory. Like, how am I living my life? Where am I overextended? You know, uh, where am I leveraging interest-based debt in my life to create things that really aren't mine, to put on a front, to make me look a certain way? Like, here's the other thing I mentioned to you guys the other day, I believe. I said, imagine that you rented, you know, for five years. And in that five years, you came up with an idea or a service or a product or yeah. a company, and you made a million dollars and you went and bought a ca house cash for a million dollars or whatever, right? That means God blessed you because you put the effort into it. You put a vision yeah. out there and Terrible you created value that brought revenue to you. And then you went and bought the house cash outside of the realm of usury and sin. Mm -hmm. Isn't that a better story to tell as, as a, uh, you know, as a testimony? Yeah. How, hey, how'd you afford this house, Kevin? Well, let me tell you, I put it all in God's hands. I Matthew 7, 7 did. I asked and you shall receive. Seek and you will find. I put a vision of my future. I had faith. I took big risks. And now God blessed me with this house and this family and this home. I didn't put myself in debt like Satan's way. I did it God's way.
So that's what I would say is like, find a way uh, out of the maze, out of the right. rat race, out of the trap, out of the slavery, right? Well, if you, yeah, if you so look good. at, if you look at the dead and the slavery, um, I, I challenge anybody and, and it'll, it'll freak you out, you know, just Google, pull up national debt clock and it's a, it's a live active clock and you'll see a number on there that you just, you can't even, you have to look at it and start counting because you can't even Fathom, fathom what the number is yeah. but the, the scary thing is the digits move so quick and you realize that that's every second um yeah. if we go back to look at ecclesiastes and it says invest in seven ventures you know god wants us to be entrepreneurial i believe he there there's a there's words in the bible that says you know don't just rely on one source of income sow your seed in different places yes. and so we see if we go by the bible that there's very clear instruction on what to do if we also look at um, we go back to this thing called the Fed, which people are completely unaware of. And we ask ourselves, well, what, what is it? If you look at um, the book, The Creature from Jekyll Island, which I'm sure Kevin is familiar with by e. Ed G. Edward Griffin, mm -hmm. he writes, Sex, since its exception. So people in our generation, and even my parents, right, pretty much this is all they know. They grew up with a Fed. But right. like Kevin's saying, his great-grandfather uh, there was a time when there was, what, what's a central bank? What's a Fed? And yeah. if we get back into the actual development of it, why it happened, there was always supposed to be this gold standard. And there's only been one time that Fort Knox has ever been open and they allowed them to go into it. I believe it was the Nixon era, if, if you can correct me or not. But there was this gold standard and, and nobody really knows. What backs it? Well, there's, I mean, How the consensus know? is, Kevin, the consensus is, there's definitely not enough gold to back this up. So basically what you have is paper money and, yeah. and people betting on it, you know? Well, and you know, people I would betting know on whether you're going to be able to pay that back or not. Like you, like the cartoon you sent me. Yeah. Well, you know, you, sp I spend time in Nicaragua and El Salvador and people are like, aren't those people poor? And I'm like, how much do you own your house? Uh, 550,000. Yeah. How much do you own your car? Oh, 50,000. I'm like, okay, so you're sick. You're minus 600,000. They actually have what they have. You're mm -hmm. upside down. You know, I want to give yeah. an example to a, a, a priest gave a sermon and he talks about uh, here's the, you know, compound interest. People call it the most powerful force in the universe. Um, if you took a loan at the time of Christ's birth uh, for $2 with 3% interest, simple interest, uh, today you would owe an in interest $122. You took that same loan, $2 at the birth of Christ, with 3% interest compounding, within a thousand years, you would owe $20 trillion Jeez. in interest. Oh my gosh. That's the difference, right? So it is a trap. It is a beautiful trap. And this is like, I tell people, uh, you know, Satan doesn't come, you know, looking like Satan with a pitchfork <laughs> and horns Red, and a tail. <laughs> you know, Satan yeah. comes looking like Christ, sounding like Christ. Yeah. acting like Christ, right? Making promises for you to make mm. you feel comfortable in your culture, all of these things. Mm -hmm. We are supposed to reject this. I mean, if you want to see how things can work without usury, go talk to the Amish or the Mennonites. They That's don't participate right. in this financial system. They're thriving. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm not saying you have to go be Amish or Mennonite, but I'm just saying, you but know, tell us about what happened during the during their pandemic. Remember when you mentioned the Amish? I yeah. said, I've told everyone, I said, watch the homage. If they start dropping dead, you know, there's a, a deadly virus. If not, 
they're not doing any, they don't participate in the American education system. They don't uh, participate in the American justice system. They don't participate in the American medical system, mm -hmm. right? When I left DC, here was the phrase I left with, uh, you know, just working with these different government agencies, uh, love your country, never trust your government. I expanded that to love your God, never trust your religion and love your doctor, never trust their opinion. Now that's, that's not to dismiss the importance of having a government, a religion, and or a, a doctor, right? They're frameworks yeah. for us to operate within for sure, but oh, we yeah. have to be able to think for ourselves. And so I think one of the biggest lessons here is what is, you know, I said that at the beginning, life's a movie, write your own script. That's how I live my life. Like, what script do you want to live? Do you want to be the hero, the person that lives by faith? Do you want to be the slave? I mean, that's a role for sure, right? Yeah. Do you want to be uh, someone who perpetrates like they have a, they own a $750,000 house, but really the strangers at the bank own it? Or do you want to be the person that actually owns it, right? There is, listen, I, I'm not ignorant to the fact that there's a lot of use and we live very comfortable lives here in the United States because ease of access to debt right? We can all go get big loans tomorrow. We can take out credit cards. We can all do that and we could perpetrate a life. But what if we cut that out? What new possibilities would be available for us? How much more would God bless us, right? Like that's what I think of. No. If indeed using interest and, and charging interest and paying interest is war against Allah or war against God, or is a sin against God and his son, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit, man, what are we doing to our lives? What more is out there? Yeah. Well, you know, um, what we see here, and as, as we go into this final segment here, what we see, again, is a generation that has grown up with this Fed, grown up with interest. It's a part of their life. They know nothing different. And sometimes it's very hard to see something else if you know nothing different. Hey, it's great over here. Well, I don't know that. This is all I know. But it's very clear what's happening to this most recent generation. If we go back to Proverbs and Proverbs 12, 24, which clearly states that the lazy man will be put to forced labor. And when we say the lazy man, let's think about this. What are we telling people to do? Delay, delay adulthood, delay working, um, work less. Um, if you want to stay home, play video games, get Taco Bell delivered to your house. I mean, think about that. We're having cheap nasty food delivered to the house. Most people are playing video games, staying there. That's what we call a form of laziness. And we'll sub subsidize that with um, government subsidies, but we'll also charge you interest on the things that you don't have and you will never own. And what happens? Again, the Bible says it, it is so crystal clear. We have to get this through. It is not free money. It is not a free meal ticket. The lazy man will be put to forced labor. And if you look at the history of communism, if you look at what Fidel Castro promised in the late 50s when he was engaging in the revolution, he's like, I'm for the, I'm for the, I'm for the poor people, right? And what happens is he comes in, and do you think he just said, yeah, keep doing? If you look at what's going on right now, Xi Jinping in China says, we have 0% unemployment. Let me ask you a question. <laughs> if you go over to China, do you think you're going to see obese, lazy people? Right. You think there's really zero percent unemployment? What happens is in a communist country, the lazy people either say, hey, you bought it. Now you voted for it. Guess what? You're going to work. Or like in China, you just, hey, guess what? There's no homeless people because they disappear. 
Mm. You yeah, know, look at the homeless problem now. I mean, here's the thing too, you want to look at, and I, I just encourage everyone to go look up usury, go to YouTube, watch videos on usury. Uh, there's one called usury, the science of Shylock, do some study on this so you can begin to wake up. That's all, you know, but if you look at, uh, you know, Nagasaki or Hiroshima, the, uh, you know, these were places that were bombed by the atomic bomb, right? Have you seen them today? They're beautiful, thriving cities. Go look at Detroit. Now go look at Detroit back when we bombed Nagasaki or Hiroshima. It was a beautiful, thriving city. Look at Detroit now. It looks like a bomb was dropped on it. What's more dangerous, the atomic bomb or usury? Mm. You know, capitalism based on usury will always, always, always lead to communism. They are kissing cousins. That's the problem. We are being led into communism and despotism and tyranny by using this idea of capitalism. So it's not even a dichotomy here. Like you have to look at, okay, why was Fidel Castro so anti-American? Well, he didn't like the monetary system. He says, you know what? I don't want to be slave to this American uh, usury-based system. So we have to have empathy and look at the enemies and say, wow, wow. Why are they pro this and why are they anti us? Right. But Castro and 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 the same one, um, the guy in South America, they both they both died with Castro, I think, with 700 million. Um, who's the other guy in South America that um he had over a billion dollars in the bank? Chavez, yeah, mm -hmm. a billion dollars. So you look, look what, what I said, and when we had Monica Crowley on the show, I said this um, what you have is greed is greed sees no a political affiliation greed is present in capitalism greed is present in communism right greed is is in, integral to the heart of man but what happens to, to me in in capitalism you take bernie madoff and i made this point before and he is the poster boy for greed well eventually bernie madoff gets caught and he gets sent to jail my yeah. theories though is the same thing in communism, except in communism, it's typically the people who are in charge of the head of the government. And guess what? They don't put themselves in jail. They don't get caught. It takes a revolution to overthrow that. And we still see Cuba, you know, 60 some odd years later, uh, feeling the, the, the weight of that promise. If you look at this pure research, which Kevin is, is pretty good research, the income inequality gap is, is always measured. And it's something every political um, candidate talks about whether they're Republican or Democrat. Okay. They always talk about I'm for who, who am I for the middle class? I'm for the middle class. And so the income inequality gap is the gap between the ultra rich and, and the, what you would call the poor. And mm -hmm. every candidate says I'm for the middle class, but according to Pew research, right. Um, that the administration's George Bush, senior Bill Clinton, George W. Bush, right. Junior, and Barack Obama, those four things, which is, are the presidents during most of our adult lifetime, guess what? The income inequality gap has grown has under to. all four presidents. It has not to. shrunk. And it that, that should tell you something that we're being played by a system, not by a yeah. party. Yeah. They always say we're for the middle class. And guess what? The rich are getting richer and the poor are getting poor because of exactly yeah. what Kevin's talking about. Yeah, that's exactly right. And, you know, there's a, a poet, American poet, expat named Ezra Pound. He says usury is the cancer of the world. Mm. You know, and this is uh, this is the truth. And it is a cancer in our souls, I would say, because we're relying on the world's way and our culture's way instead of God's way.
Amen. And I think we, I think we really have to just go deep into the subject again. I didn't know about it. I was caught up in it. I was about $2 million in debt when I was in uh, my penthouse condominium in Arlington, Virginia, you know, and it wasn't bad debt. Everyone's like, you're doing great kid. You know, I had a, a business loan, SBA business loan. I had condominiums that I purchased. And then finally I'm like, my gosh, how, what have I done to myself? Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, and you know, uh, um, Benjamin Franklin said, there's two ways to get wealthy. One's to earn more, the other's to spend less. The fastest way is to do both. And so that's what I, I had a really serious goal. I put a map of Costa Rica on my bathroom mirror. I'm like, how do I get out of debt and stay out of debt for the rest of my life? Mm -hmm. And I said, Costa Rica, and you know, after $2 million in debt, I started to divest selling properties, getting rid of everything. Somehow I started earning more. I started giving more to my local church, like everything. And it just started like abundance started flowing through me, right? Because I was no longer in debt or enslaved to these strangers who probably didn't even share the same faith system as me. And listen, and there was a time where I, you know, I was trying to keep my business afloat. The economy had turned. I lost half my members in a sing in a month. And I went to my father. I was like, dad, can I borrow some money? He goes, Oh, great. How much do you need? You know, <laughs> God bless my dad. The guy gave me 50 grand and I proceeded to flush it down the toilet. Right. <laughs> like, <laughs> I blew through it, you know, and I paid them all back every penny. So I, you know, there are times where you have to get loans, no problem, but I didn't pay any interest on that loan. I yeah. paid yeah. my father back exactly what he loaned me. And that's being a good Christian. It's being yeah. a good Muslim. I'll tell you another story. Uh, my friend down in new Orleans, her mother owns a house. And she rents it to this uh, Muslim guy. She said, hey, why don't you just buy the house? And he told her, he goes, no, ma'am, I can't. It's against my religion to take out a loan. And I don't have the money to buy the house right now. Wow. Wow. What a faithful guy, yeah. you know, yeah. really faithful. And that opened up the conversation with my friend about usury. I'm like, you know, it's against Catholicism and Christianity as well. Yeah. He was like, what? I said, yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's interesting. It's in the... Uh, you know, we call some of these Muslim countries enemies, uh, whether they are or not, you have to determine that yourself. But, you know, it's against their law to make usury based loans. Now, the way they make money on loans is they share the risk. So if the bank said, hey, Kevin, we'll give you $300,000 for this house. But if you sell it five years from now for $500,000, we're going to split the profit. Or if you lose money, we take the risk on that as well. So then there's an interest for them to be associated with that. This is like a typical business loan. When you invest in a company, they're not paying you interest. They may pay you dividends because there's profit, but you're investing in that company in the hopes that you return on the investment because the price goes up in that uh, in that business. Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah. It makes a lot of yeah. sense. Yeah. And you know what I think as we wrap up here... Um, if I was to say, first of all, we're going to have him back because this is just one area of expertise. And like I oh. told him, I go, this is going to be hard to fit it all into one show. So we're right. going to have him back for something else. The second thing is, I think what you guys can take away this, if nothing else, is look, don't just go through life like everybody else, what they tell you, research things. Yeah. You, know, you mentioned, questions, you mentioned, the, you mentioned the Muslim religion and I'm friends with a Muslim guy here in town. And after talking to him, I went home and I go, you know what? I'm, I'm pretty ignorant. I, I said to myself, I, I don't even know much about the religion except from what I see on the news, what people tell me. And I started doing some research on it. And, and although, guys, I'm, I'm a believer in Jesus and I'm, I'm rooted in Catholic, I mean, in Christianity, um, 
I was like, you know what? I have a greater respect for the religion because I realized that they believe in Jesus. Yeah. They believe uh, they, they believe that Jesus is coming back to, to, to fight the Antichrist. Um, you know, there's some major things that they don't believe, like they don't believe that Jesus is the son of God, but they do believe he was born immaculately, immaculately through Mary. So there were so many things there. And as we wrap up, I was just like, you know what? If if we just take it upon ourselves to educate ourselves and like Kevin, have good discussions. You know, Kevin and I talk all the time and there's certain things that we're like right on and there's certain things that I'm like, mm, let me check that out. And if we don't agree on everything or we don't see eye to eye, yeah. it's not a make or break deal breaker. It's just yeah. like, hey, you know what? Let's, let's facilitate discussion. that. Yeah. But I've learned more from him. And I think you guys have learned a lot in this conversation. And I think if you take anything away from it, Angela, I'll let you go next, but just do some research. Like, don't take things for face value, you know, and go to the Bible. What have you taken away? Well, I've taken a lot away, but I just, I, again, I just want to sit here and think and practically, you know, if I'm a listener, I'm going, well, okay, great. Now I'm entrapped into this loan of, you know, this home and I'm, I'm not feeling good about it because of everything that I've just been enlightened on. Like, what are the practical steps that I take? You know, I'm, maybe I'm not comfortable in exchanging, you know, my life to go to Costa Rica like Kevin. Like, what, is, what does that look like for me now? Uh, Kevin, what would you share, you know, to our yeah. listeners just to uh, some practical steps of maybe, you know, you know, releasing those shackles a little bit? Yeah, if you're in a ditch, you know, and you want to get out of the ditch, the best thing to do is to stop digging, right? Like, so to yeah. take an inventory of where you are, where am I now? Where do I want to go? And then how am I going to get there? It's three simple questions, right? Where am I now? Okay. Where do I want to go? How am I going to get there? So really having a bigger, like Costa Rica was just mine, right? Other people, like I want to marry the man of my dreams, or I want to go, uh, you know, I want to build a home in the countryside of Mississippi. Like everyone has a different Costa Rica. That's just an example of what was mine at the sure. time. Mine's, yeah. mine's yeah. different now, right? So put a big goal it, like extraordinary goal that if it happened, like you could only blame it on Christ, right? Like yeah. play so big that it scares yeah. you. It's like, oh my gosh, I don't know how I'm going to do this. And let the Holy Spirit come in and lift you up to accomplish that goal. I always say my vision, God's plan, right? Sometimes it takes, you know, sometimes I'll write out something. It happens the next day. Sometimes it's eight years later. Yeah. Right. Like I cut out a picture of Richard Branson because I thought he was an interesting guy. I read his book and I was like, I'd like to meet this guy one day. Three years later, I'm at dinner with him in Los Angeles. Six months after that, I'm on his island in, in uh, you know, Necker Island in the BVIs. I'm like, how in the world does this happen? I'm like, oh, of course, Jesus. Right. So I think people just need to play the kind of game that's in line with who they are as a human being. Like God put a purpose in each of our heart and each is different. We've been designed differently. Let's not corrupt that with the seeds of doubt, debt, usury, addiction, right? Like all of these things just cloud the possibilities that are right in front of us, right? So let's make sure we get a straight path. Let's make the crooked path straight. And part of that is making sure that we get out of interest-based debt to strangers who mm. don't share the same belief system as us and aren't on the same team as us. Yeah, Amen. we're and, just unequally yoked. Yeah, and you know what I just thought of this morning? I woke up and and again, I, I opened the Bible and, and it just opened up and there's that scripture where Jesus told his apostles, he goes, don't take anything with you. You know, yeah. just a shirt on your back. Yep. And he goes, and if you're not welcomed anywhere, you know, dust your feet off. Dust your feet off. And so- 
you don't really need a lot. If you go back to the book, you don't need a lot. You need the shirt on your back and the great attitude and you need Jesus. And so with that being said, what a test. I've been very uh, blessed to have a, Kevin a Donahue here with us. Um, I know, guys, you're going to want to share this. You're going to want to listen to it. You're going to want to share it. Give him some love. Follow him. And uh, Ange, why don't you take us out? Well, Kevin, let them know where they can find you first. Uh, you can find me at Donahue KM uh, at Instagram. Donahue KM, D-O-N-A-H-U-E-K-M at Instagram. And, uh, you know, just really go deep into the usury. I mean, just just just, just explore it, right? Research it. And you'll find that throughout history, this has been a issue that pops up. And I think we're seeing it really, it's, it's becoming in our face right now. Well, thank you. Yeah. Thank you for enlightening us. It's been awesome. Yeah. I mean, the obviously the idea of being turned on it so that we can see things differently. And you certainly shed light on a very important topic that many of us walk around blindly not knowing. And I appreciate that. Kevin, thank you so much for being here. For our listeners, I hope this turned you on today. Thank you, guys.